Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Pastor Matthew Fuller. Jesus, you are beautiful. We are in awe and wonder of your glory, of who you are. We pour out our love upon your feet this morning, Jesus, because you are worthy. You are the Holy One, the Lamb who was slain. The Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. We are in awe and wonder of you, Jesus. Jesus, have your way in this place today. Have your way in our lives as as we leave here, God, in every situation, in every circumstance, Jesus, we invite you to be Lord of all. Give us single focus. Give us dove's eyes, Lord. That all distractions of this world would be removed. And all that would remain is your gaze upon the Lord of Lords, the only one who's worthy to open the the scrolls. I read the end of my Bible this week and I found out that we win. Revelation 5 says, And I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne, the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people. For God, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive the power and the wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. 
And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Jesus, you are worthy. You are the Lamb upon the throne. Jesus, you are worthy. We give you glory and honor in this place. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. You are the King of kings. There is no situation too great for you. When you show up, chaos flees. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I was meditating this week on who he is. I read the end. I found out we win. Read the middle. Found out he already defeated death. Read the beginning of the book and found out who we were created to be. Did you know that you and I are made in the image and the likeness of God? We house within us the same ability that God is. The ability to think, to have wisdom. He has made us in his image. And I've been thinking so much lately just about, there's just been this burden upon my heart that if there is such an identity crisis in this world right now, and if we are to find out who we truly are, if we are trying to figure out who we are created to be, then we need to find out who God is. We need to be on a never-ending pursuit of finding out who Jesus is. If we're made in his image, then there's nothing greater, there's no more important purpose in our life than to seek out who God is. I've been thinking about, uh, you guys want to chill up here or do you want to get down? Might as well chill up here. Let's just, let's keep it going. <laughs> you can get down if you want. But I've been thinking about just this, this beautiful book that we've been given. That in here, God has chosen to, re to reveal himself to humanity. That his word stands true beyond all ages and all time. This book reveals the nature and the character of who God is. And I love, the Bible says that we worship him in spirit and in truth. I love that this church is full of the Holy Spirit of God, that it is burning on fire for Him. And I so desire that we would become a church that is so grounded in the truth and in the knowledge of the Word as He has revealed Himself through Scripture. You see, we are in a time right now where knowledge is at our fingertips. It is never-ending information that is coming to us. And because of that, we need to be so, so grounded and rooted in the foundation of the Word of God. So that as, it, that as storms are raging, as emotions are coming and going, we know what truth actually is through the midst of the chaos. We know that when things aren't going the way we feel like they should, that all things work together for those who are called. Because His Word says so that we actually understand what his word says and we desire it, we hunger it, we seek after, finding out who the God of the Bible is. You know, I, I was thinking a lot about um, just this reality. There's, in good intention, there are things that, that can be said like, well, 
You know, it's more, it's, it's about a relationship. Reading your Bible every day doesn't mean you have a good relationship with God. It's very true, but if we're not, if we're not careful, we can downplay the authority of these scriptures. We can downplay the importance of this Bible or, or quotes like, oh, we value the Bible that they didn't have more than the Holy Spirit that they did have. Great quote, Bill, but the reality is we have the Bible. And we need to know and understand and consume this word. The goal was, is not that the, the people on the platform know the word and that the people out in the congregation are getting pushed to and fro by their emotions, getting led by all forms of deceit that come their way. How many know we are in the middle of a saints movement right now? That is, that means that every member is mobilized into ministry, not just a select few that are standing on the platform. And in order for every member to be a part of this mission, we all need to know and to understand this word. To find out who the God of the Bible actually is. Why try to seek after him in only as, as this spiritual sense when he has written on pages over and over and over again who he is. This book has everything that we need for life and for godliness. And now, now I understand that we can seek after, we can learn in this thing, and, and if we're not careful, we'll start seeking after knowledge for the sake of knowledge. We'll start seeking after rules for the sake of serving rules, and we will forget that this is an invitation into relationship with the Holy God. This is an invitation into a romantic relationship with the eternal one, the one who always was, who is, and always will be. This is an invitation into relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. That he's chosen to reveal himself through this beautiful word. To reveal himself to his people. And we all have access to that. Is that not good news? I think, uh, I think kids, kids can be released right now. Is that, is that true? Two through five-year-olds? I see two through five-year-olds in here still. My two through five-year-old specifically is looking antsy. <laughs> and uh, we've got a little activity for the, for the little ones. So if the, the point of this word, the point of Scripture, the point of our lives... If we were made in the image of God, relationship is paramount to everything that we do. If this leads to relationship with God, then we need to understand who he is as a relational God. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. I had a, I had a week. I've had two weeks. It's been a couple of interesting weeks. And my family and I, we practice, uh, we practice Sabbath. It's something that we started... Oh, man, maybe two years ago. And what we do is every Friday at 5.30, we make a point to stop what we're doing. We cut off all conversation of anything extra that we need out of this life, any wants that we have, and we just intentionally turn our hearts to gratitude. We intentionally 
take time as a family and we go around just like you would at the Thanksgiving table every every Friday at 536 o'clock or so and we go together as a family and we start talking about what it is that we are grateful for not seeking after something new we don't want the next newest and best thing come on we live in a culture that is always looking for the next thing the next fill and so it's a time set apart for us in the week that we just are intentional about getting and being fulfilled in rest and in gratitude with the Lord so 5.30 or so, we go around and, and we all say what we're thankful for. And then we try to be extremely intentional then with our time throughout the next 24 hours to just rest in the Lord. And I was taking some time out on my deck and uh, it's just, it just having just so much chaos going on at work. I, I've, I've had a lot of changes that have taken place over the last couple of months. And if I'm not careful, I can get so caught up into the next problem that is coming my way that I forget that I have the solution living within me. That the eternal one lives inside, that he is not afraid, he is not nervous about the situations that are happening in my life. He's not nervous about the situations that are happening in your life. He's not nervous that, that something is too difficult for him. This is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we're talking about. And so I started reading through my Bible, and I was reminded of his truth. As we soak in this word, all of the noise, all of the chaos gets removed, and we find ourselves centered again in peace. Matthew Chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? You see, our Father is relentless in his generosity towards us. It is not something that he does. It is in the very nature of who he is. To be a father means that you give of yourself to benefit your children. It is the foundation of who God is. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. In James 1, it says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our Father of lights. He is constantly looking to benefit humanity in a way that only a father can do so. And so our pursuit of our life is to seek after him, to find out truth in who he is, but to do it in a way that invites us into never-ending, overflowing relationship with him. I've been thinking, I've been, I, wanted, I desire to be an oak tree that is so firm and founded in the truth of his word, but is also burning a blaze that's a light for all those that are looking to seek him. That we will be a church that is filled with spirit and with truth. That we are whole, filled to the maturity, the full stature of who God is. And in a relational way, we are seeking after him, not in a way that is only looking for truth, for the sake of truth, looking for rules to be followed for the sake of rules to be followed. You see, when we're following rules outside of relationship, we're creating nothing more than religion. 
But how many know that the rules, the structure that God has put in place, the purpose of it is for the health of his family? You guys can come down. <laughs> oh, man. Amen. Thank you, worship team. That was powerful. I was getting rocked. Can everybody give the worship team a hand? That was very powerful. Where was I at with that? Rules, relationship, and religion. So I, I, uh, in, in my family's life, we have different practices that we do. So I just mentioned that we have Sabbath, right? Now Sabbath for us, it needs to serve the health of our family and not the other way around. Our family was not created to have Sabbath. Sabbath for us is a practice for the health of our family. And see, this is where we can get backwards in our pursuit of God when we're seeking after who he is in the truth of Scripture is that we can find ourselves serving the rules, serving the, the orthodoxy, the doctrines of the past, and we forget that the entire intention of it is relationship with him. And so if I start making rules and I start serving the rules and they're at the expense of my family, then I need to do a mindset shift. Then I need to, to, to do an inventory of what is happening, and I need to make an adjustment for the sake, for the health of my family. Let me give you an example. My daughter, and uh, I've got four daughters. Hallelujah. I've got a very full, very loud home. If you ever come over and you want a time to relax, find a different house. Because it is very loud. It is a very active home. All those parents with young kids say amen and amen. Good. <laughs> so we have this thing where, where it's around 8.30 at night. It's, it's time for bed, right? We've got a bedtime that we've given for our kids. It's around 8.30-ish. That ish happens to be a little larger than maybe it should. Uh, but we do that for their benefit, knowing that if they get to bed on time, we are setting them up for success the next day, right? When, when, we're, when we're following that guideline that we've set in place, we put a structure to our family for the health of our family so that we are setting them up for success. But now there was a night not too long ago, maybe two weeks ago or so, that my 10-year-old was just started pouring out her heart. And it's 8.30 at night. You see, now, if I am so consumed with the rules that have been put in place, and I'm serving the rule, and I forget that the rule is meant for the benefit of my family, I would have told her to go to bed. And I would have missed what it was that the Lord was doing in that moment. And in, in the same way, we have these guidelines, these rules, these structures in a church setting. See, if everything in this Bible is pointing to relationship, that means that this church is the family of God. This church is not a set of rules and organization to be served for the sake of the organization being served, but it is a structure in order for the health of this family. We have little things like we start at 10-ish. We end at 11.30, 12-ish, depending on what it is that the Lord is doing at the moment in the room. 
And so there's guidelines that, that, that we receive wisdom from God. We seek him out in scripture. And there are some that are negotiable guidelines, right? It, they change from season to season for the purpose of the health of the family. Whenever we get our eyes off of the health on the family and we get our eyes on to following rules, then we find ourselves in dead, no good religion. See, now there are some non-negotiables in this book for the health of a family. This past week, my mom, had, uh, who's the senior pastor of this church, had sent a message to our volunteers regarding... Um, uh, a message from uh, Chris Valentin, and he spoke on the, the fatherless generation that we find ourselves in. So if we are supposed to seek after God, and we are supposed to find him, to relate to him as father, then and us being made in his image need to now be that father to those that we find in our lives. So Chris Valentin was talking, and he made some points, some, and he said some statistics about this nation and the fatherless time that we find ourselves in. How many of you know that the United States of America is the most fatherless nation upon the planet? It is also the most incarcerated nation upon the planet, more than Russia. There are more people in the U.S. correctional system right now, today, than there are in any other nation on this earth. And 85% of those people in there grew up in a fatherless home. We are in the middle of a battle that I'm afraid we are too asleep to see is happening around us. The non-negotiables that are in this word about the health of the family is that there is to be a father and a mother in a home. There should be a father and a mother in a home for the sake, he, he's pointing to uh, the protection and, and, and sexuality and things like that, but I, I honestly believe that, that fathers are fleeing the home because they are not fully partaking of the reality that they are made in the image of our father, and our father at his very core is generosity. See, when we focus on sacrificing ourselves for the sake of our kids, for the sake of our spouse, then we're not going to leave. When we're more focused on benefiting those in our lives than us as fathers, we're going to stay and we're not going to go. Let me read some more statistics here. Did you know that uh, if a, in a home, if a husband, if a father is saved, if it's a non-Christian home, actually let me tell you this first, if a mother is saved in a home, 17% of the time the entire family will be saved. If a father is saved in a home, 93% of the time, the entire family will seek after God. You see, we don't have an abortion problem in this nation. We have children that are being aborted. We don't have a homosexual problem in this nation. We have people that think they're homosexuals. We don't have a transgender problem in this nation. We have people that think that they are the opposite sex. What the root cause and issue that we have in this nation is a fatherless problem. We have a bunch of men that have traded the nipple on their baby bottle and stuck it on a beer bottle. Was that a soapbox that I just stood on? Because I'm about to really nail into it here for a minute. 
<laughs> what we have is an issue of boys being in male bodies. Did you know that in the coffee industry, that women producers, 90% of the money, if it is a female farmer, if, if, if I do business, I'm in the coffee industry, I have just purchased coffee, I've intentionally searched out female farmers in developing nations, and I have just purchased 1,000 pounds of coffee from them this week. I know that 90% of that money will go into the family because of studies that have been done. I know that if I was to do that, with a male farmer, only 40% of that money will stay with the family. And the other 60% will be spent on themselves. You see, we have an issue with fathers that are looking to serve self and serve own agenda for the very things that we are meant to be pouring into our children. We want our time. We want our money. We want our car. We want our, you know, fill in the blanks. I am a, I am, I'm a man, so I get to say this message, and if you are offended by this, you're part of the problem. I am sorry, but this is the truth. We are in the middle of the greatest battle that this nation has ever seen, and men need to wake up and see what is actually happening. We are more concerned with slobbering on headsets, talking about the sniper around the corner, than we are taking care of our own kids. I'm all for spending time. If you need to, if you have a hobby and you want to, you know, maybe you have something that you like to, to do. Maybe it is that you like to play video games. Invite your kids into that moment and have an ex a great moment with your kids then. But to be upset with your wife for not keeping the kids under control while you go and burn your brain away, is ridiculous. And all the women say amen. <laughs> it is disrespectful. A nine-year-old understands that. Did you know that in a home, if, if, if a child grows up in a fatherless home, a woman is 100% more likely to grow up obese and she is four times more likely to have a child in her teen years. As I said, 85% of youth that are incarcerated right now are from a fatherless home. We as men need to take the mandate that we have been given. The, the reality is that we have been made in the image of God. And us, everybody has been made in the image of God, but we get the unique ability to relate to this world as fathers. And it is only men meant for men to be fathers. It is only meant for women to be mothers. There are things that women can do that I can never do. There are ways that mothers can mother that I will never get the privilege of being able to do. I didn't get to carry a child around for nine months, get to form a, a deep level of intimacy with that child for nine months. But I, I do get to show what it's like to have self-sacrificial love in my home in a way that benefits my kids and my wife, in a way that lights this world on fire. Look, I'm sick and tired of the excuses that I'm just busy and I'm burned out. I've got 50 employees. I've got three businesses. I preach here every, every month. I have four children at home, and my kids still know how much their dad loves them. We need to quit making excuses, quit being children, and grow up. 
I'm talking to men directly in this room right now. And you can talk to me after if you have an issue, but I am not going to get off of this soapbox this morning. I'm sorry. I've had too much of a week. (laughs) Honestly, it is something that this society needs to see and this society needs to hear. We need to go and find out who the God of this Bible actually is and serve him the way that he demands for our attention. Not only when things are going wrong, not only, when there aren't, not only are we thanking him through our victories, but in every single season, in every situation, in every circumstance, that we find ourselves humble enough to get down on our knees and to seek after the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Look, this generation is confused. This generation is looking for purpose. And the only way that you are going to find purpose is to seek after God himself. And if 93% of homes will seek after God with the husband being saved, we need to get serious about getting men saved. We need to be serious about seeking after this this feel-good, do-what-I-want culture. The, The fact that 51% of children right now are born out of wedlock. 67% of kids in the school system right now are growing up without a father in their home. Look, it's not a good enough excuse to say that my wife was mean to me. Grow up. Did your wife make you feel bad? (laughs) I'm sorry. But it's not a good excuse to say my wife got too fat. She's too ugly. She's not nice enough to the kids. We need to be men and to actually seek after the God of the Bible, to take the integrity that he has called us to live within, to not be children in grown man's bodies, and to seek after him with all of our heart. Look, I have a call to men this morning to stand up, to rise up, to actually lead their families in the way that the Bible serves. It's no wonder that women are so scared to lead you, to follow you when you're demeaning and you're demanding. We have been called, women are, are supposed to honor their husbands. Husbands are supposed to die for their wives. Everything in this Bible points to death to men. Everything in this Bible points to relentless generosity, self-sacrificial love that says, I will not let my emotions lead me. Just like Jesus, it was the joy that that was set before him. He endured the cross. That was the most manly thing that he could do, is to go and to march atop of that mountain, to stand upon that cross, to be nailed on the cross, naked and ashamed before all of humanity. And he said, I'm doing it for my kids. I'm doing it to bring the kids back home. We need to get outside of the emotional, feel-good culture that we find ourselves in, looking for our next fix, looking for the next person to respect us, looking for the next person to validate us. He's already validated us 2,000 years ago. He's already given us the identity. We don't need to seek after something else to make us feel important, something else to make us feel special, something else to make us look cooler to our buddies. Saturdays are for the boys, needs to go out the window. Saturdays are for the kids. Be there and be present with your children. Look, I, I may have to travel in my business, but you know what? My kids get a benefit from that. Two weeks ago, I, had to, I was in Chicago all week long. I stayed an extra two days so that my kids could come and party with me while I was there. And before I left, I cooked dinner for my wife every single night and meal prep for the entire week. Look, I'm talking about getting rid. I'm not saying this so you give me a pat on the back. I'm saying get rid of your excuses and quit being lazy. (laughs) 
This country needs dads. This country needs fathers to rise up and to get rid of their excuses, to get rid of those feel-good message that, that men just need to be validated in who they are. It's no wonder we are living in such a feminist society. Where are all the dads? Women have to stand up. Women have to rise up because men won't. I am not sorry if this offends you. I think that this is what you need to hear. This is what I need to hear. This has been a walk that I have walked through myself. I, as a business owner, I've been consumed at times with my business. I've been consumed at times with this church. But I will not. Nothing drives me crazier than seeing it affect my kids. There is nothing in me that will allow I will sell my business tomorrow if it takes precedence over my family. If you have a job that is keeping you from your kids, get out of it. Your kids need to see that dad is home. Your kids need to see that dad is here, and when you're home, you don't get the, the liberty of staying on a video game box or sucking down bottles of beer because you can't handle your own emotions or your stressful day. Your kids need you regardless. doesn't matter how stressful your day is. They do not deserve the last part of you. They deserve the best part of you. I didn't know I was going to get this fired up about it. Honestly, though, I, have, I feel so strongly in my spirit a call to men. If we have all of these issues, there are so many statistics on it. Look it up on your own. This isn't just me cherry-picking statistics. Look up what are the effects of a fatherless home and see the impact. And mothers, if you are a single mother in this place, I want to invite you into community. Get your kids around good, godly men. You do not have to do it alone. If you hear this and it just makes you upset or makes you bitter towards your husband the way that he is, look, trust me, I, I understand what that can feel. I, I can't personally understand what that can feel like. I can empathize with you and say get into community then and get them around good godly men. There are men in this house that are willing to, to help, to, to correct, to, to raise, to guide your children in a way that you just are not equipped to. That is the reality of men and women. We are meant together to be the image of God. And we both have a piece of the puzzle. Homes are meant for one of each gender to be in. Not one pretending to be the other, but one of each. Because we have been uniquely created with specific purposes for this society, for humanity. To raise them in health to raise them in wholeness. And it's our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. We just need to show up and receive it. Look, we may be overwhelmed. We may not even know where to start. We may feel beyond ourselves. Look, I have been beyond myself time and time again. And every time I find my way back home, though, knowing that this is the only thing that is going to keep me going. This is the only thing that is going to keep me standing. This Bible we have been given, has, it says it contains everything that we need for life and for godliness. If we're feeling anxious, go to the Word. And let this Word invite you into an intimate relationship with the man, Jesus Christ. Everything in this points to the perfect person. 
the one that's yoke is easy, that's burden is light. You don't have to carry the weight of the responsibility on your own. He wants to do it with you. He wants to do it with me. He wants to make our families healthy, to make us whole, so that we can be the image of the church here upon this earth, to show this world what it looks like to live in beautiful communion with our Father, to show this world what it looks like to live with a generous dad, one that loves us beyond all of our weaknesses, all of our shame, all of the sorrow. He's still present with us. One that isn't looking to smack us over the head when we screw up, but one that is relentless in his pursuit and of his love for us. Look, this book is filled with stories of impossible situations. If you're in the middle of a situation that seems impossible, just read this. It is filled with ordinary people doing extraordinary things. It's filled with people like you and I, people that couldn't speak properly, leading nations into freedom. This book is, is our life source, and we need to consume it. We need to eat it. We need to breathe it. We need to find out. If we want to figure out who we truly are, then we need to figure out who he is. And he's chosen to reveal that right here. I want to challenge each and every person in this room to set yourself. Get rid of the, well, I'll just, if I make a goal, I'm going I'm to fail it. Get over that. Get intentional and get disciplined in this one life that we have been given to live. It is going by in the blink of an eye. We do not want to spend our entire life trying to get healed Spend our entire life trying to get whole. Spend our entire life trying to, to right the wrongs that other people did to us. Spend our life being offended by what people have done to us. Spend our life being bitter at our spouse, bitter at our kids, bitter at the world, bitter at the government, bitter at the Democrats, bitter at the Republicans. Look, nobody outside is going to fix it for us. What is going to fix it is us getting on our knees, opening this thing up, and saying, Jesus, where are you? I need to find out who you are because I have impossible situations in front of me. I know my, my friends think that Trump's going to save us. He didn't last time, so, but I'm sure he's going to the next time. I've got other friends that think Biden's going to save us. I, I'm not sure what's going on with this inflation. I'm just going to ignore it. What we need to figure out is, Jesus, who do you say that I am? What do you say about this world? What do you say about the fatherless issue? What do you say about the abortion issue? What do you say about the homosexual issue? What do you say about the transgender issue? What is actually in Scripture about these issues? And then through all of it, when these issues are still in front of me, what do you say about what true love is? Look, this world is seeking after love. That's what all of these movements are about, is seeking after a people that just want to be loved for who they are. They just want somebody to say, I see you, and so they're doing anything possible to be seen. The God of this Bible says, I see you. I see you, and I'm here for you. I have your best interests in mind. I have my children's best interests in mind. I have your coworkers' best interests in mind. I have plans of good and not of evil to give you a hope and a future. We'd know that if we got into this beautiful book. I believe that we're trying to do things on our own that can be solved 
right here. We're trying to find out who God is. We're seeking after him. And if we're not careful, we're going to get stuck in the way that culture says who God is. We're going to get stuck in some new age, weird hibby-jibby thing. And we're going to forget who the God of the Bible actually is. What he says on the matter. I want to challenge you to get into this and to allow it to correct you, to chastise you, to chasten you, to move you into what it is that he has called you to be. We don't make God in our image. He made us in his. He's asking us to come up to what he says, not asking us to bring him down to what we think he should look like. This corrects us, not the other way around. This moves us, not the other way around. We don't get to tell the Bible what verses are right and what are wrong. The Bible gets to tell us how we get to think. The Bible renews our mind. It makes us into his image. It becomes the course correction for our life, our guidance. It shows who the eternal God actually is. All of the issues that we face today can be solved, have been solved right here in this book. We need to seek them out and to live them out. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would show us, God. Show us your love. Show us who you truly are, God. Show us, reveal yourself to us through, the, through your word and through your spirit, God. That, that not one or the other would take precedence in our life, but working in harmony. The way that the Trinity was designed. Working in harmony with each other. That you would show us your fullness. That you would correct us. That you would give us a, a redirection in our lives. So that we would seek after you first and foremost. That, that we wouldn't get so stuck in social issues, God. But we would get stuck in seeking after Jesus, the King of Kings. And that as we love this world the way that you intended us to love, the social issues will come into alignment. As we love this world the way that you asked us to love, God. As people experience love the way that you have told us to love, they will see themselves for who they were truly created to be. You're the guide. You're the director. You're the conductor of this. So Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord, to become more like you. And if you're a man in this room and you feel challenged by what I was saying earlier, I'd ask you to stand. I'd ask all the men that are sitting to leave. <laughs> you guys have passed. You are knighted. <laughs> Father, I pray that the men in this room that feel challenged, that feel up for the call, Lord, this call to be the men that you have created them to be, Lord, that you would give them the strength, that you would give them the grace, that you would remove the excuses that are holding them back. 
Lord, and that they would be the men that you have truly called them to be, those that are created in your image, those that are meant to father this world, those that are meant to be the image of you here upon this earth. God, I pray that you would give them the strength, the grace, the courage, the tenacity, the bravery to stand up, not just now, but every single morning. That when they get out of the bed, that they say, Lord, I am here, I am listening, I am ready. I am ready to conquer this world for you, to show what self-sacrificial love is. See, this is the beauty of the kingdom. It's in direct opposition of the way that this world thinks. We think of conquering as slaughtering giants and, and cutting their heads off. But in the New Testament, it's, it's self-sacrificial love. It's showing demons that they have no place in our homes. It's being laid down lovers to Jesus. These men are enlisting in the army of self-sacrificial love of benefiting this world first, beyond their own personal gain. And so, Lord, I thank you for their courage to stand, and I ask that you would bless them throughout this week, God, that you would continue to give them the strength to pursue you, to pursue your kingdom, to, set, to let go of childish things, to the things of the past that are holding them down, and that they would rise up and be the men that you have truly created them to be. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about the Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.